Mr David Cameron. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to Corporal James Oakland and Corporal Thomas Mason? They died serving our country, and our thoughts should be with their families and with their friends. And as the Prime Minister said, we should also think of those six UN aid workers killed in that dreadful attack in Kabul. Before I get on to other questions, can I welcome the Government's complete U-turn on cutting £20 million from training in the Territorial Army? This was brought about after questions by Conservative MPs, by Labour MPs and from this dispatch box. Can the Prime Minister tell us what on earth he was thinking of when he was thinking of cutting army training at a time when the country is at war? Mr Speaker, first of all, uh, let me uh, repeat again uh, my condolences as he has given to those people who have died, uh, one of them who was injured during the summer and has subsequently died in, in Birmingham. And let me also say that our thoughts must be with the United Nations and those uh, relatives of those staff today. Uh, and I'm going to be speaking to the UN Secretary General to tell him that no terrorism should deter us uh, from our actions in, in Afghanistan. Now, as far as uh, the uh, uh, training for Afghanistan is concerned, let me just say there are three stages of this, and, both, and all of them are important. First, first we, have to ensure, we have to ensure that our regular army has the numbers that are necessary. That's why there has been an additional 9,300 people recruited to the army over the last year. And that means that army numbers are now at 101,000. And that, of course, means more money. The second thing was to ensure that the territorial army who were sending people to Afghanistan had those people going to Afghanistan properly trained and equipped. And I was sure when I reported to the House two weeks ago that that is what we would do. The third thing, having spent an additional $1 billion on Afghanistan this year and spending a $1 billion extra on defence for costs associated with Afghanistan and other things, we could or would be able to spend on the territorial army. And having looked at all the issues, including the extra billion pounds we are spending on Afghanistan, and having talked to the Chief of the Defence Staff, I decided it was the right thing to do. But I have to tell him we are spending a billion more on Afghanistan and a billion more on defence, and it is wrong for him to say that we are not spending sufficient on defence. We are. Honestly, this Prime Minister can't even be straight and straightforward when he's performing a U-turn. He cannot get away from the fact that he was proposing cuts in basic training that would have meant cuts in the TA. And if you cut by that amount, you cannot fight a war. The Prime Minister says there were three stages to this. There were three stages. The wrong policy informed by the wrong values, followed by weeks of dithering in Downing Street, and finally the government forced by the opposition to do the right thing in a humiliating climb down. It all ends once again with a complete loss of the Prime Minister's authority. Why does this Prime Minister keep getting it wrong? What is wrong are the opposition policies on the economy. What are wrong are the opposition policies on the health service. What are wrong are the opposition policies on education. Right throughout the recession, we have got things right. He has got it wrong. The Prime Minister Minister turns to the economy, so let us turn to the economy. We learnt last Friday that Britain is in the longest and deepest recession since records began. Now, presumably, one very simple thing has to follow from that. This Prime Minister has got to say something that up to now he has completely refused to say. 
Will he finally admit that he did not end boom and bust? Mr Speaker, we always said that we would come out of recession by the end of this year. That has been the position that the Chancellor took in his budget and the position we have consistently took. What would have been wrong and would have made things a lot worse if we had taken the advice of the Right Honourable Leader of the Opposition? Today, Mr Speaker, today in Brussels, we have got permission so that Northern Rock can be sustained as a company. We agreed to nationalise it. We saved 3,000 jobs in Northern Rock. If we had taken his advice, there would have been no Northern Rock and 3,000 jobs would have been lost. The Prime Minister tells us he's been consistent in saying we'll be out of recession by the end of the year. I'm not going to let him get away with that. The Prime Minister said in September... The Prime Minister said in September, we are now coming out of a recession as a result of the actions we have taken. And he said in September, I think you will see figures pretty soon that show the action Britain is taking is yielding effect. He claimed, he claimed, this country, this was in June, this country is leading the rest of the world out of recession. The fact is, France, Germany and Japan have been growing for six months. Does he now accept he got it comprehensively wrong? Mr Speaker, if if I have to explain to him, Germany and Japan have had a far deeper recession than we have had. Equally at the same time, unemployment in this country is far lower than it is in America, far lower than it is in the euro area, and that is as a result of the actions we have taken. He can read every statement he likes, but it's absolutely consistent with my view and the Chancellor's view that we'd come through and out of the recession by the end of the year. The problem is that he's got policies that would keep us in recession. And his policies would mean more unemployment because he won't support the New Deal, more small businesses going under. We have supported 200,000 small businesses, more homeowners losing their homes. That is the policy of the Conservative Party. He can't deny he got every aspect of this recession wrong. Even, even when you read the Prime Minister, one of his own quotes from September about the recession ending, he can't even be straight about this. France and Germany and Japan have all come out of recession. So have Sweden, Brazil, Russia, South Korea, Singapore, Hong Kong, Thailand, New Zealand. Doesn't this list demonstrate something else? That when the Prime Minister said, as he did over and over again, that we were the best prepared country in the world for this recession, he was plain wrong. No, no, Mr Speaker, we have been better placed because we have three million... We had three million more people in work than in 1997. We're better placed because we had a new deal in place to help the unemployed. And we've been better placed because we had lower debt starting the recession as a result of the actions that we've taken. He cannot deny the fact that every single country in the International Monetary Fund is against the policies of the Conservative Party. Every single country in Europe is against the policies of the Conservative Party. The CBI, the Chambers of Commerce, other institutes in Britain representing business don't like the idea of withdrawing the fiscal stimulus. What sense does it make to withdraw the fiscal stimulus now, which is the policy of the opposition? How can, how can, how can this Prime Minister possibly claim that we are the best placed when we've had the longest and deepest recession since records have begun, when we have two and a half million people unemployed, 
We have one in five young people can't find a job, and his recent triumph is our economy is now smaller than Italy's. That's, the, that's what he has given us. Even before this recession, our budget deficit was the biggest in the developed world. We had a regulatory system designed by him that didn't work, and we had five million people on out-of-work benefits. What he said about the recession was wrong. What he said about the recovery was wrong. What he said about being well prepared was wrong. What he said about boom and bust was wrong. Doesn't he understand that unless he's straight with people about how we got into this mess, no one will trust him to get us out of it? Mr. Speaker. Not one policy from the opposition today. Not one idea about growth in the economy. They were wrong on Northern Rock. They were wrong on helping the unemployed. They were wrong on helping homeowners. They were wrong on helping small businesses. They were wrong on the restructuring of the banking system. They have been wrong on the New Deal. They are wrong on just about every economic policy. No wonder every policy announced by the Shadow Chancellor collapses just after the morning headlines. They have got no ideas how to get us out of growth. They have no idea how to get us out of growth. Had we taken their advice, we would be in an even deeper and even longer recession with more unemployment than, than they are now. They are not fit even to be the opposition for promulgating economic policies. In view of this week's state visit by Her Excellency the President of India, will my right honourable friend say what more he can do to further strengthen the trading relationship between Britain and India? Mr Speaker, I welcome, as I think everybody should, the President of India to Britain on her state visit. Uh, this is a sign of the strategic partnership that is growing between India and the United Kingdom. And I want to thank my right honourable friend for her chairmanship of the British India uh, Association that brings forward proposals for even stronger relationships in the future. Over a million people travel between the UK and India each year. There are about one and a half million people of Indian origin in the United Kingdom. There are 30,000 Indian students in Britain. Relations will grow stronger as we develop closer educational, cultural and economic links between these two great countries. Mr Nick Clegg. I'd like to add my own expressions of sympathy and condolence to the family and friends of <coughs> Corporal Thomas Mason and Corporal James Oakland, who served so bravely in Afghanistan, and of course to the family and friends of the six UN aid workers who were so brutally uh, murdered in Kabul. Mr Speaker, the International Climate Change Summit is now only a few weeks away. What happens in Copenhagen will shape our world for generations to come. I welcome a lot of the Prime Minister's pre-summit rhetoric. If, if words could do the trick, we'd be halfway to a deal already. But when it comes to the environment, it's actions which really count. So how would the Prime Minister characterise his government's green record over the last decade? Mr Speaker, we have met the Kyoto targets. We've got the first climate change act of any country in the world. We have committed ourselves to very radical cuts in emissions, not only in the long term, but in the, uh, in the short term. And we are fighting hardest to get an agreement in Copenhagen. I've said I will go to Copenhagen. I want uh, there to be an agreement in Copenhagen. I think it is based on us agreeing, first of all, a political understanding about how the treaty will be developed. I think it needs us to agree on the intermediate targets. I think all countries will have to accept that they have got to make commitments, and we need to have a financial proposal such as the one that we have put forward. This will be discussed at the European Council this week, and I believe 
and I believe the European Council will want to make progress. So I believe Europe will have a position that we will put to Copenhagen. Mr Nick Clegg. Mr Speaker, as far as his own record is concerned, the sad truth is he's done far too little, far too late. Total emissions, total emissions are up. Air travel is up. He wants a new runway at Heathrow. He wants more dirty coal power stations, more nuclear energy plants. Our housing stock, our housing stock is the most poorly insulated housing stock in the whole of Europe. And last week, he got all his MPs to vote against the 1010 Environment yeah. Campaign. Doesn't he realise that unless he acts fast to fix things here at home, <laughs> he'll have no chance, no authority yeah. to fix things in Copenhagen? Absolutely. Yeah. Mr Speaker, I, I feel he wrote his second question before he'd had my answer to the first. Because I'd set out, I'd set out very clearly the actions that we've taken on the environment. I think his party's position would be a lot better if Liberal councillors right across the country didn't vote against planning consent so that we could have renewable energy. And I think his position would be a lot stronger if he could say that he would support nuclear energy, which is one of the means by which we can reduce carbon emissions. We will continue to fight at Copenhagen for a deal. I believe that uh, all parties should be interested in that being achieved, and I think we should all campaign together to get that deal at Copenhagen. Terry Rooney. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Is my right and my friend aware that there are 200,000 grandparents in this country who have taken custody of grandchildren, usually following tragic circumstances in the children's uh, natural parents? Is it not time that we give real financial and practical support to these grandparents and recognise the magnificent work that they do instead of punishing them as the system does at the moment? I, I want to thank him for his uh, efforts to raise the very profile of how we can do more to help grandparents. And he may know, because I think he's been part of this, that we're holding a cross-government uh, summit in November to listen to the experience of grandparents and their organisations. And from 2011, grandparents who look after grandchildren will get national insurance uh, credits. And we will publish a green paper on this in the next uh, few months. The role of grandparents is absolutely vital to every family in this country, and we should do everything we can to strengthen the role that they can play. John Farron. Thank you, Mr. Yeah. Speaker. Yeah. Even to those of us who believe the government fundamentally underestimated the task when it first got involved in Afghanistan, the recent fraud ridden uh, presidential election was a worrying development. Given the Prime Minister is aware that troops provide time and space, but not a political solution, which is going to be an essential part of the jigsaw if we are now to succeed, what lessons has he learnt from this period when it comes to any election runoff? First of all, as the, as the elections uh, uh, take place uh, and the date has already uh, been set, we've got to ensure that there are sufficient monitors as well as sufficient security. One of the problems in the last election was insufficient uh, monitors, which allowed their corrupt ballots uh, to, to, to happen. The second thing, of course, is we've got to work to a political uh, solution. This is not simply a, a military solution that we're looking for. We want to, uh, to strengthen local government so that people in Afghanistan feel that they have a stake in the lives of the future, of, in, their, in, their, in the future of the country, and we want to have a corrupt-free central government, which is one of the problems we've been dealing with for many years. We will have to sign a contract, the Americans, NATO and others, with the new president, whoever he is, so that early action is taken to deal with these abuses. In the longer term, of course, we want to split the Talib Taliban ideologues from the others and reconcile where it is possible. Uh, so that we can build a stronger democratic centre uh, to ensure the future of Afghanistan. Now, our role is to be there to build up the Afghan military and police so that they are able to take more responsibility for their own affairs, and as a result of that, the numbers of our troops can go down. 
Alan Michael. Speaker, my right honourable friend will be aware that during his period as Chancellor and Prime Minister, British canals have been turned around from being a drain on our nation's resources uh, to being a national asset. Uh, will he ensure that British waterways is not seen as an asset to be sold off, but an asset to be treasured, like our national parks and areas of outstanding natural beauty, and used for public benefit as well as local regeneration? I think, I think uh, my honourable friend will agree that new investment in British waterways has been uh, very important to guaranteeing its future, and we've just got to look at how we can get further new investment into British waterways uh, for the future. That is our principal aim. Bob Spink. Thank you, sir. As we, <laughs> Thank you, sir. As we approach Remembrance Sunday, Canby Island Royal British Legion proudly reached their 75th anniversary, and they have their first Gurkha member. Laxmi Giesing. Would the Prime Minister continue his honourable support of the Gurkhas by now granting them equal pension rights? Yeah, yeah. Will he congratulate the British Legion? Mr Speaker, we will look at, will look at the case he has put on, on, on the Gurkhas, but I have to tell him this is a matter of uh, a High Court case that has been taking place over the last uh, period of time. As far as the Royal British Legion, let me commend the work that they do, particularly, particularly as we go towards Remembrance Sunday. We remember the way that they represent uh, all the families and all the ex-servicemen and women of our country, and their organisation of the Festival of Remembrance and so many events around the countries is something of which our nation is very proud. I think the whole House would want to join me in thanking the Royal British National Legion for everything they do. Stephen Pound. Speaker. The African Caribbean community has made an immense contribution to this country, particularly in the field of public services. Can I tell my honourable friend, the Prime Minister, that many of that community are deeply distressed by the increase in air passenger duty, which appears to be arbitrary and illogical? Would he be prepared to meet myself and a few colleagues, including the member for Brent South, in order to see how best we can resolve this problem? As, as uh, he knows, uh, uh, the taxation of uh, environmental goods, and particularly air fuel, has been a vexed matter for many years. As far as air passenger duty is concerned, the Chancellor tells me that he will be meeting a group, including the Honourable Member, to discuss these matters in the next few days. Daniel Kaczynski. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, sections 32 to 34 of the Inquiries Act 2005 specifically give the Prime Minister and his Government the power to co-instigate an inquiry into the Lockerbie disaster. Why is the Prime Minister refusing uh, to take these powers and yet again outsource responsibility to the Scottish uh, Parliament? Mr Speaker, first of all, let, let me say to the House that this uh, terrible crime in Lockerbie will never be forgotten. And even uh, many years on, we must remember the hurt that has been caused to the relatives uh, of those uh, people who lost their lives in Lockerbie uh, as a result of what happened over the summer. And uh, I do uh, want to emphasise that McGrahi is still, in the eyes of the law, a convicted uh, terrorist for the criminal act that he was engaged in. It is, for the Scottish, it is for the Scottish authorities to pursue any new leads that exist. Uh, they are the authority in which uh, this uh, jurisdiction lies, and it is for them to take the action that is necessary. Chris Ruay. Prime Minister, we live in dangerous times. <laughs> a number of threats. A number. A number of threats. 
and issues of global importance, such as global terrorism, global warming, and the unresolved Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Is Britain's best interest, is Britain's interest best served by a strong European alliance of sensible mainstream parties, or is it best served by an alliance of Islamophobes and climate and Holocaust deniers like that lot have got over there? Mr Speaker, I will meet, uh, I will meet uh, tomorrow when I go to the European Council uh, not only leaders of uh, socialist groups in Europe, but leaders of the Christian Democrat groups in Europe and the centre-right parties in Europe. And it is amazing that the Conservative Party has broken their links with the centre-right in Europe to join a group that can only be described as extremists. The Conservative Party will regret isolating themselves from the centre of Europe. They are out on a limb. They are putting British jobs at risk. They are angering British business. They are out of touch with what people know is necessary for the future. Could the Prime Minister tell me why do we need a President of the European Union and who is he supporting for the job? <laughs> Mr. Mr Speaker, we have, we, have made it, we have made it very clear uh, that uh, if this position is to be created and the European Treaty is not yet through, and if, and if, and if, uh, if the former Prime Minister Tony Blair comes forward as a candidate, we will be very happy to support him. Thank you. 250 members from both sides of the House today join 100,000 petition signers to Ofcom. Phone companies BT and 3UK join Unions Unite and Amicus and the Royal College of Nursing in support of Early Day Motion 1531. Uh, consumers are being ripped off. Does my right honourable friend think? that phone companies that charge hidden charges for connecting from one network to another should cut their rates. Yeah. Speaker, Ofcom is looking at this uh, very matter. There is an unfairness to consumers who change a company. The cut-off rates are very high indeed. It is right that they investigated, and it is right that the consumer gets a better deal. Bill Wiggin. Yeah. The company um, Green Energy Supplies of Lempster face extra costs from the government's micro-generation certification scheme. If the Prime Minister is serious about Copenhagen and renewable energy, will he agree to meet my constituents and get rid of some of this gold plating? Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, I think uh, no government is doing more to promote low-carbon industries in this country. Uh, we are investing in the new technologies. We are supporting a whole range of small, medium and large businesses. Uh, the business uh, department will meet him to talk about these issues, but I am convinced that we are doing as much as we can now and will do more in the future to help the development of low-carbon industries in his constituency and throughout the country. Gwyn Prosser. Sir Geoffrey Stirling famously said that the Labour government did more for the British Merchant Navy in its first 18 months than the Tories did in 18 years. Yeah. With the news that Maersk Line is starting to ship out of the British Register, and lay off British seafarers, will the Prime Minister tell us when Ministers will act on the employment and training package, which was put forward in 2007 by the unions and the industry, which will expand the fleet and create new jobs for British seafarers? Yeah. Mr Speaker, ship shipping is a very competitive global industry, but what we did in 1997, so that ships were flagged from the United Kingdom, was a very important uh, uh, act of government to help 
defend and safeguard and expand jobs and opportunities for seafarers. Uh, the proposals that have been put forward by unions uh, and the industry together are proposals that we are now looking at to create more training and employment opportunities in the industry, and I'm very happy to discuss them with them. Mr Graham Stewart. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Last weekend, members from all three of the main political parties and both houses were among 100 legislators from the major economies who came together at the Globe Legislators' Forum, which was attended by the Prime Minister of Denmark on the subject of climate change. The Globe Forum resulted in a consensus of the 100 legislators on a set of legislative principles that were jointly put forward by US Congressman Ed Markey and Chairman Wang Guangtao of China. Will the Prime Minister agree to meet the UK Globe delegation that attended that meeting ahead of the COP in December? Mr Speaker, I, I, will, I will meet uh, uh, delegations to look at the, this issue of uh, climate change, but I have to tell them uh, that what we need is uh, progress from both China and America so that we can have a climate change deal. Uh, and the principles that will underlie this deal must, must include intermediate targets that are agreed by, by countries uh, around the world. And I hope that as part of the decisions that were made by his uh, group last uh, weekend, there was a recognition that we will need intermediate as well as long-range uh, targets, and we will need to solve the problem of climate uh, financing. That is absolutely crucial, and our proposal, uh, which is not to affect international development aid, but to raise additional money for climate change for the poorest countries, is one that I hope will commend itself to all parties. Sir Stuart Bell. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, with the following upon the creation of the Independent Parliamentary Standards Authority, and given the fact that Sir Thomas Legg is reviewing five years of our allowances, with the publication next week by Christopher Kelly of the overall review of MPs' allowances, can the Prime Minister tell the House what the next steps will be? Mr Speaker, I think all Members of Parliament want to bring the old discredited system of expenses uh, to an end, and they want to bring in as quickly as possible a new system for expenses. Sir Christopher Kelly will report uh, next uh, Wednesday that report will uh, form a statement to the House, uh, and then I expect that the Independent uh, Parliamentary Standards Authority will be given the, the power to implement it in detail. But that is a matter for the House, and it will be a report to the House next Wednesday. Stephen Williams. Thank, thank, thank you, Mr Speaker. Bristol's economy and environment suffers from poor public transport. We have high bus fares from a monopoly provider and far too few passenger trains on our local rail network. Will the Prime Minister instruct the Secretary of State for Transport to expedite plans for the Greater Bristol area to be given an integrated transport authority so that service improvements can be brought about? Yeah. Mr Speaker, we, we are investing uh, more in transport than we have ever done. And we have not only increased investment in rail transport and moved to the electrification of uh, some lines, but we are also investing in bus transport, particularly with the help we are giving to pensioners on concessionary fares. I have not seen the Bristol proposal for an integrated transport system, but obviously I'll look at what he says. Clive Efford. We run the risk of being a generation of politicians that uh, didn't make the right decisions to tackle one of the biggest issues confronting us, which is climate change, in order to minimise the impact uh, on future generations. Can I commend my right honourable friend for the action he's taken as being the first head of state to recognise the need for leaders for leaders of governments, for leaders of governments, for leaders of governments to, to attend the Copenhagen summit and to take part in those debates. Don't listen to the naysayers over there. And, and uh, order, order, order. I think we've got the gist of it. I'm grateful. Prime Minister. 
Mr. Speaker, they do get very anxious across there because they have come out against wind turbines and wind renewables. The shadow business secretary said that Britain shouldn't be used for it. They're against nuclear power, which is one of the keys to having lower carbon in this country. I think the Conservatives should think again. If they want a consensus on climate change, then they're going to have to change their policy. Mr. David Heskett Amory. Mr. Speaker, as the Prime Minister knows, This is International Year of Astronomy. Does the Prime Minister therefore support the Campaign for Dark Skies, which is good for astronomy and also save energy? If he does, will he play his part by turning off or at least dimming the lights in public buildings, including Downing Street, where all the lights are on very late into the night? Mr Speaker, all, all, the, all the time, uh, all the, I, I thought he was going to complain about European regulations because that's normally, normally what, what he does. Uh, all, all of us, all, all of us, all of us have responsibility. All of us have responsibility to save uh, electricity, and all government departments and all parts of government should be involved in doing so.